tuning in to the 115th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk, wherever you are, however you may be listening, whether it be via SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, I want to thank you for making me in the show part of your day. Host Daryl D. Lane, as always, got a great show planned for you today. It's going to be an NBA history segment, uh, not going to be a lot of me talking, Pre-recorded, I had this. This is another interview we had when we were at John Carroll. I got a lot of interviews out there. I have uh, one more, one more interview uh, that we did at when I was still at John Carroll, right? So I'll probably tell you a bit more about that uh, next week. I'll probably release that sometime next week. Uh, next Friday will be uh, NFL playoff heavy, uh, college football heavy. They're probably gonna. Well, I'll let you know what guess, but uh, I have, we have a couple names, a couple people, a couple contract negotiations we're getting on right now. But what a time to be alive! It's 2020, like I said, this decade uh, was very interesting. Uh, but before we get into the interview with Jason, I guess I'll talk about my night a little bit. Uh, saw Silas Garrison, right, friend of the show. I had a fun time with Silas. Uh, shout out to Anthony Deloise. Uh Me and my friend Connell Crayback, who goes to John Carroll with me. And so does Anthony. We ran into some uh, girls that knew Anthony. We're like, oh, we know Anthony. There's somebody else from Giancarlo's, the place I work, that I am uh, saw there. Uh, I, she remembered my name, and I forgot her name, and I felt kind of bad about that. But then she kind of bragged to me how uh, she had two Attack of Aloha and Jerry Judy's Snapchat, and she wanted to just drop that bomb out there, but... She didn't want to tell me their Snapchat, which is kind of weird, right? Because it's kind of like when you're bragging, kind of showing how much clout you have, but then you don't really tell tell the other person, you know, you're not really letting them in on it, which I was kind of like, okay, why are you telling me that? And it was an overall really fun night, um, late night, and a blessed night. Uh, I had a lot of fun, uh, enjoyed a lot of stuff. I saw a couple people from Amherst that I haven't seen uh, in a long time. So I was really happy. I was really excited. Hope everybody had a happy and fun and safe New Year's. And I was just telling Seth, who gave me a ride home, uh, this decade, right, 2010 to 2020, right? It's kind of my formative years. It started in sixth grade. It started in middle school, ending it in college. This next year, it's going to be, this next decade is going to be like, at the end of this decade, I don't know what it's going to look like. Like, I've changed so much since the beginning of last, since 2010 to 2020. I'm petrified to be like, what is this going to be like in 2030? Like, I'm going to be like, damn, am I going to have kids? Am I going to be married? I'm going to have a full-time job. I'm not going to be living at home anymore. Like, so much life can change in 10 years, especially now that these next 10 years are going to be where, you know, people my age and people in my generation kind of go into more formative adulthood. I just wanted to talk about that. So, like I said, hope everybody had a happy and blessed New Year's. And let's get this interview with Jason on the road.
Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. And we have the Youngstown Beast, Jason Cavari with us. How are you doing, Jason? Pretty great, my man. How about you? I'm doing good. Now, we're going to have NBA history. Uh, we're going to talk about, like, the decade's ending. <laughs> it's been a great decade. Uh, decade of basketball. So, we're just going to talk about that. So, just tell us what you have for us, Jason. So it's honestly been a wild decade, and this came out of a conversation that you and I had last night, actually, looking at the fact that 10 years of basketball is about to come to a close from a time when we were in middle school to now when we're in college, about a year away from graduating, Daryl gonna graduate this year, me this next year year. This is wild, it's been 10 years. We started the decade with the Heat teams being big, the Celtics being awesome, Lakers being decent still, Dallas being great. We had a whole host of great teams there, stars that were moving in from the early, mid-2000s to them. And now we're coming into what seems like the new generation, headlined by Trey Young, Luka Doncic, uh, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, among others. We have a whole new rising power structure in the NBA. And it's just crazy to look at that 10 years at the end and the beginning. But today we're gonna to talk about the middle here. So, just talk about some big moments for you in the decade. Biggest moments for me, obviously the biggest one, being a Cavs fan, was the championship, that 15-16 season. That was absolutely beautiful. One of the happiest moments of my sports life. And the funny thing with that is, I actually tell this story quite a bit, I was sleeping when the shot happened. I actually fell asleep. Really? Yeah. I think I fell asleep too. I, I think I, it was like, it was like eight. No, what was I doing? I, no, I did. I was asleep. I woke up and then it's like, oh, the Cavs won. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> I was so depressed. I took a little nap. I remember this exactly. I took a little nap during a commercial break. This is, uh, this was during the third quarter, right near the end of the third quarter. It was a TV break. I'm like, all right, I'll take a little nap. I'll rest my eyes for a bit. I ended up sleeping through the whole rest of the game, couple hours. I wake up, it's two in the morning. I check my phone because it's on the chair next to me. I go on my app to check the score. It says Cavs 93, Warriors 89. 89. I'm like, wait, what? I rub my eyes, it still says 93-89. I'm like, I gotta be dreaming, man. Pinch myself, it hurts. I'm awake. We actually won. And I remember scrolling through, finding the videos of the shot, the block, the, uh, the chase down defense by Kevin Love on Curry to finish the game. And I actually slept through all of that. Can you believe it? The biggest moment of my career, my life as a Cleveland fan, I slept through. Now it's also, yeah. <laughs> like this, this era has so many things that define it too. Cause I was gonna talk about that finals cause th that's also like historically, that's so important, right? So I I'll never forget this, right? The Warriors are up 3-1. This is freshman year. My my going into my freshman year mm -hmm. here, John Carroll. Uh, I'm doing um, what's it called? When you're a freshman, you do your little orientation yeah. thing, like like over the, like in July. It was like in July with my group. Uh, and I remember, because sometimes I hate on Cleveland. Um, but, <laughs> and I was like, and I was just like, the Warriors were up three one. I was like, to peel somebody. And I remember specifically who it was. It was Julia Ricchetti, who was in my group, and she was talking about, oh my God, Tristan Thompson, LeBron. I was like. They're going to lose game five tonight. Uh, so anyway, with the wrestling team, they had like a little viewing thing. So I come in there, and we're watching it. It's game five. So it's in Golden State, right? Because game six will be in Cleveland. Game seven will be back in Golden State. Game game five in Golden State. I'm like, 
There's no way. There's no way. And then I'm watching it. LeBron and Kyrie go off. They go off absolutely sure. And then I believe that was the Draymond Green. Was that the Draymond? That was the Draymond Green into it because that happened five. in game. Was it in game five or game four? I think it was five. It was five. That's so that's right it for game six. Yeah, that's what that. That's how that happened. And then I'm just like, I just watched Kyrie and LeBron both dismantle the Warriors. This is going to game six, and I'm like. Okay, where are we going with this? Like, because I thought it was over when it was they were up through, and I thought it was over. And then it goes to game six. They win, and I'm like, okay, where are we going with this? And then it goes to game seven, and they win again, and I was like, huh. Okay, that was kind of <laughs> shocking. So I'll, I'll never forget that stretch. And there are so many things that define that year, too. Kevin Durant leaves that summer. The Thunder are up 3-1, lose the Golden State. Steph Curry, that year, everybody was talking about is Steph Curry the best player in the NBA. He averaged 30 points per game, like six assists, unanimous MVP. People were like, is it Steph's time? Is LeBron no longer the best player in the NBA? LeBron shut that down. There was just so much stuff that defined that specific season. 2015-2016, uh, I believe, right? That was a championship yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Just so many things. Just talk about that. That whole era, there, really that four years from 2014 to 2018 is such an important era for NBA basketball in terms of everything that happened with the player movement, with the Warriors and the Cavs ruling the NBA, but everything that was going on with the teams trying to compete and butt in on there. Obviously, we all knew you know, for those four years there it was going to be Warriors and Cavs, but it's also interesting to look at all the other teams that tried to make it in, like the Rockets, for one. I think we're starting to see the end of that. Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't call it like, I don't know what you would call that. They haven't won anything. What do you call that, that the Rockets have been the past few years? Being the really good second best team. Really good, yeah. And it's unfortunate because that's Like the Bulls, like the Bulls, like the Bulls. Exactly. And uh, I, I think it's interesting to look at that period, that 2014 to 2018, look at the Rockets playing through, never being able to make it being so close to knocking the Warriors off. Which year was that when they missed 27 straight threes? 2017. Was that 2017? No, was it? It was 2017. LeBron's last year in Cleveland. They were so close, and they blew it. How do you miss 27 straight threes? I remember watching that game just being an absolute shock. But that's like a microcosm of this whole stretch for the Rockets as well. Good enough to make it there, but in the moment, they just couldn't do it. And I think we're starting to see the fall of the Rockets. Now, also, I'm gonna, let's go back to the beginning of the era, and then we can just go mm. keep going forward all the way to the end. So let's go to the beginning of the era, right? Big moment, like, let's go 2011. LeBron, the Beatles, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. Oh, no, you just got two. <laughs> and went to four. Just what did you think about that? What did you think about that? That Dallas final? No, no, just LeBron doing that when he got to Miami. Not one, not two. It's a, a definitely a, a display of hubris, you know. Not a, not humble in any way. I think you need to be like that. And he played very well, and those teams did have quite a bit of success. But getting there and saying that, I mean, that's a bit brash, especially after what you just did. Maybe try to lay low for a bit and wait till you actually win some stuff before you talk like that. He's lucky that they won a lot in Miami. 
because if you say something like that and your team doesn't perform the way you predict, you're in a world of hurt. Now, that 2011 season, Derrick Rose, MVP, right? Think big, big moments we have. LeBron James, the Miami Heat, most hated team, right? Everybody, everybody hates LeBron. James gets booed every time he touches the ball. Carmelo Anthony gets traded to the uh, New York Knicks, I believe, right? Was he get traded 2011? He gets traded to the New York Knicks. Kobe still Kobe. Um, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook still on the same team. Uh, and that year too, the eight seeded Memphis Grizzlies beat the one seeded San Antonio Spurs the first time a eight seed ever beat a one seed uh, in the NBA in the game seven and seven game uh, opening round format. Mm-hmm. And then we get all the way to the finals. The really, really juicy part. The really juicy part, which kind of put an end, you know, a bow on the year. LeBron James melting down in what would really become one of the all-time finals disappointments for an NBA superstar we can ever imagine. Just talk about that. Because we've talked about this before, Jason. This, yeah, we did bring up on the show, I remember. And I still, for the life of me, as much as I go back and I watch that series sometimes, I watch the games... I cannot figure out what was wrong with him. I don't know if at the time he was still a bit young and he didn't understand what it took to be successful. Because this was like his eighth year in the league. Yeah. How do you think by that point? Yes. You have some idea of what you need to do, that you're the superstar that leads the team, that you need to step up in a critical moment like that. Not drop your average by 10 points a game, completely disappear and make everyone forget that you're the superstar that's supposed to lead the team. I still, for the life of me, cannot figure out what happened there. I really can't. And I, I, I remember this too, right? Because I just remember because this is when I was so much younger and I was really into basketball. So I remember really remember these early years. I remember this was band class, right? I, this might have been like in seventh grade, right? Mm. In band class, and I remember I was talking to somebody about the finals. Like, yeah, LeBron James showed. He scored eight points in the NBA Finals. JJ Barea and Jason Terry were guarding him, and that blows my mind because that's what really happened. JJ Jason Kidd, JJ JJ Beret is 5'11. JJ Beret is like an inch taller than me, and he's guarding LeBron James. Mm-hmm. It, it makes no sense. Isn't that ridiculous? It makes no sense. And Dirk Nowinski had one of the best playoff runs I've ever seen. It was just it was so it was so shocking. It was just so shocking to see a player of that caliber melt down. And to me, what it really set the stage for is LeBron James having one of the best seven, eight-year stretches of basketball we've ever seen because he rebounded like hell after that. Mm-hmm. But that but that first year, that, that was not a good uh, indicator of LeBron what he would end up becoming. Well, I think that was a low point for him, you know, playing like that in that series. And it was almost like a slap in the face, you know, that he could play like that in a high-pressure moment that someone that's been hyped up that much, who's obviously like the greatest player in the NBA at that point, he looked in the mirror after that series, I think, and he was like, what happened here? I played really bad. I let my team down. I let Heat Nation down. I let so many people that were counting on me down by not playing up to what was expected of me, what I can do, what I potentially could do. I need to change this. And like you said, that led to one of the greatest individual stretches of basketball I've seen, a protracted stretch for seven years of absolute excellence from this man. And also, too, just to put a bow on this part, 
I also remember those were in the jokes going around. Everybody was like, if you give LeBron, LeBron a, a quarter, he only gives you three. Uh, give LeBron a dollar, he only gives you three quarters back. <laughs> hey, when you call LeBron, there's no rings. <laughs> it's like, hey, you call Michael. Michael Michael let the phone ring six times. Kobe will let it ring five times. Dwayne Wade will let it ring one time. LeBron? Straight divorcement. Yeah. Straight <laughs> divorcement. So I remember was, all those jokes were going around. And just like, we thought of LeBron as kind of like a guy that choked. Like, and I hate to say it, but that's really the way we thought about it. 17 points per game in the finals. I mean, which is really unacceptable. Down from like 27. Yeah. Like, what? Now let's go to next year, right? And we also have Derrick Rose that year who won MVP mm. with that special in itself. But 2012, right? Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant, they make it to the finals. Uh, and us not knowing what all three of them would individually become, which still baffles my mind how Oklahoma City could have messed that up and let all three of those guys leave. When you have three guys that could have been top five play like on, the, on your team at the same time, it's just... It still blows my mind away. You have LeBron James redeeming himself. And I really remember, too, a big part of that era was, that big part of that year was, I remember they were playing the Celtics in the conference finals of the Heat. The Celtics were up 3-2. They went back to Boston, and everybody was like, are the Heat going to get broken up? LeBron, really, after choking against Dallas, this game six is going to end in Boston. And he dropped 45 had 15 rebounds, and he had that look. Remember that? He had that look, and it was like, it's not going down like oh, this. Yeah. Because he would have gotten destroyed. And he ended up uh, play, playing the Oklahoma City Thunder, beating them in five games. And then he's like, it's about damn time. So just talk about what, what that, in 2012, what that year was like for you. That game, and just the year in general, it was interesting, you know, I was still feeling the pain of LeBron leaving, being a huge Cavs fan, obviously, but we had hope. Kyrie Irving, Tristan Thompson, there were the beginnings of what would develop in two, three years into what became that dynastic Cavs team for that four years, even though they only won one, but still, great stretch for me as a Cleveland fan, I gotta say. Um, so it was interesting to be watching the Cavs and see the beginnings of some of those players start to develop. Irving obviously was just spectacular. But getting to that finals, you bring up a great point. I think that was where, with that 45-15 rebound game, where LeBron finally realized, flipped the switch, and became the incredible leader in the playoffs that we've seen, you know, in that stretch there. That might have been where that all started, I think, when he realized he had to completely take over to save his team from the brink of defeat, which we saw him do so many times in Cleveland in that four-year stretch. Now, I want to go to 2013, right? So then here's what we have. Now, this this year hurts me a lot as a Kobe fan. Kobe tears his Achilles, really ends uh, Kobe's career mm -hmm. in, in a very, very sad way. Uh, I believe James Harden gets traded that year, right? James Harden ends up 13, getting traded. Yeah, yeah James Harden gets traded. So that just sets up things for the Rockets' success, right? Competing with the Warriors. It just puts a whole lot of things in motion. What would eventually be the end of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Uh, LeBron James getting his second championship in a row. Uh, the Ray Allen shot. The Ray Allen shot, <laughs> which was extra extraordinary in of itself. Um, 
so just talk about the era for you. I mean, the, the year for you. So that year, that one was interesting. Again, a lot of this is out of the lens of me as a Cavs fan. Yeah. Um, this was the Waiters year. I believe Bennett was, was Bennett that year or was Bennett the next year? I'm trying to remember. 2013. I, Wiggins I, was 14. Wiggins was 14. So Bennett so had Bennett this year. Yeah. That, that oh, God. That was just <sighs> atrocious, honestly, as a fan. Watching <laughs> someone get picked number one and completely blow it as far as now, now I, I think we do have to go back and realize obviously that was a weak draft class like take hindsight out of that that was a really weak draft class I mean who who really would you have taken at number one given Bennett wasn't a consensus number one but there wasn't a guy that was a consensus number one overall I still think the Bennett pick was ridiculous that colored a lot of the year his struggles you know me realizing that yeah this guy never should have gone number one at all but that finals was huge. LeBron winning a second time, Ray Allen hitting that shot. And LeBron honestly starting to establish the fact that he could have protracted success. He could play at that upper level that we saw him first start the last year in the playoffs. Now, for, the, for that year, so many things, right? Beginning, right? Lakers super team. Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, Pal Gasol, Kobe Bryant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? The Spurs were winning 60 games a year still, right? How, how good are the Lakers going to be? They ended up being bad. Dwight Howard had back issues. Kobe said some things that hurt Dwight's feelings. Uh, Steve Nash couldn't play anymore. He was 40. Kobe ended up telling uh, – and Mike Brown got fired after five games. Kobe ended up taking over and telling Bank D'Antoni, just sit your butt down. I'll handle it. Kobe plays 40 minutes, minutes a game. And I remember this, this game. It was like one of the last games of the regular season. And they're playing the Warriors. It's like 130 to 128. Kobe tears his Achilles. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And that ended up being the end of Kobe Bryant. But then I also remember the finals. Game six. I remember this too. My grandma didn't want me to stay up because she was watching me and my brother. And I was like, no, my mom said I could stay up and watch the NBA Finals. So I stayed up and watched the NBA Finals. And I remember LeBron clanks off, shoots a third, clanks off the backboard. I believe there's Chris Bosch. I think Chris Bosch gets the rebound. Somebody gets the rebound. Passes it up. And Steve Nash hits, I mean, excuse me, not Steve Nash. Ray Allen hits the craziest three-point shot I've ever seen. Falling away with no balance, and it just like, and I'm just like, oh my god! And then Mike Breeze like, the game is tied, the game is tied, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? What is going on here? Oh my gosh! And then it goes into overtime, the Heat win, and I was like, damn, damn! Just talk about that. Just talk about that shot. And just Absolutely, one of the greatest finals I've ever watched, and that moment there was huge. Yeah, I'm glad I was awake for that one. Speaking yeah, of it, yeah, like, yeah. you know. Oh, man. Like, it's not, I, I didn't like watching the Heat win. But even then, you had a sense that you were watching something special happen. And obviously, with hindsight, looking back on that, how often does something like that happen? Is, is that one of the greatest clutch shots you've ever seen? Absolutely. Like, when you think of clutch shots, you think of, like, the Jordan pose. Kyrie comes first for me. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm just sleeping. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying clutch shot. But, like, that, that Ray Allen shot just... How that happened, like... Falling that, out in the corner, that's a tough shot to yeah. make with your momentum going the completely other way. 
to put enough on that because you're falling back. Yeah. You got to put more momentum on that. You're not jumping into the shot. Yeah. You're falling back. So you got to put extra power and place it exactly so that it falls because you don't have the back of the basket as reference for where you're shooting. That's an insane shot to hit. And the was with the time the clock's kick t uh, ticking down like that. And, and it was also crazy how it happened, too. The, the, the Spurs were up like seven points and like with a minute left. And I'm like, huh? Like, like, it's just like you're watching it. And then, like, it's over and you're like, how did we get to overtime? How did we get to overtime? And then, like, there's the great Pacers heat matchups. Paul George, Roy Hibbert, the, the David West, Lance Stevenson. Wow. Yeah. Man. I forgot about the Pacers at that point, man. Yeah, back when Roy Hibbert had his like two good years. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. And then he forgot how to play basketball. <laughs> and then Paul George's injury in there too. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Really special year. And now let's go to huh. 2014, right? Uh, was it 2014 or 2015? No, 2014. 14. And this is the end of LeBron's tenure. Would it have been the end of LeBron's tenure? He goes back. He has the letter, right? Uh, comes back to save Cleveland. I know you're probably going to have to mention that a little bit. Oh, yeah. That's how kind of that year capped off in free agency. But just from start to finish, right, Kobe's not playing for the whole year. Uh, the Spurs end up making it back. Uh we start to see how good Russell Westbrook can really be. He, I think that was the year he went on that run of like, or was that 2013? But he went on a run of like when he kept, was a triple-double machine, when Kevin Durant got hurt. I think that was the next year. I think that was 2015. Okay. Honestly. But that was kind of around, around that time. Uh, we started seeing that from Russell Westbrook. Uh, and we'd even mention the 2012, like Derrick Rose stories. They see how what that did. We forgot to mention that. But even, uh, 2014, uh, and I also remember that. I remember I was in a hotel, right? I remember, I, was, I forget where I was. I was like in D.C. with my parents for like vacation or whatever, right? Uh, and I'm watching the Warriors-Clippers series. Mm. And the Clippers lose. And also, it's really interesting that this era would set up Warriors-Cavs. I mean, I, I never, Steph Curry was still a very good player. I, I just, I never imagined him. Draymond Green and Klay Thompson would be in the finals the next year against Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and LeBron James. Like, if you told me that, I wasn't going to believe it. They lost to the Clippers mm. in seven games, and Mark Jackson got fired. So that's one of the things that sticks out uh, for me the most, just the fact that Steph Curry next, next year is going to become an MVP. But then you go, you go all the way to the finals, and the Heat get demolished by the Spurs absolutely demolished and I'm just like holy crap is this how it ends with and then it's the cramp game the cramps oh yeah uh, <laughs> so just talk about that that year that honestly and then the biggest memory of that year was obviously LeBron coming back 2014 right and the the one thing funny story actually that sticks out to me it was a joke it was a story that came out that said Allen Iverson was coming out of retirement to play with the Cavs and I actually believed it for a bit <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, like, I actually believed it fake news <laughs> yeah no, yeah yeah but um 
I was so excited because uh, Iverson was one of the players I uh, looked up to so much growing up. And then that same day I realized, I was like, oh, okay, well. Um, yeah, there were reports yeah. that Kobe was going to come play with LeBron and Anthony Davis. <laughs> <laughs> but um, a lot of the early part of that year was colored by the struggles of the Cavs with LeBron playing with the kids. I remember a particular game in which it was almost like a teaching moment for LeBron with uh, with Waiters, with uh, Kyrie. Now, you're talking about 2015 now. No, this was 2014. Was it 2014? Oh, yeah. Okay. 2014, 2015 was that first year. Okay. Yeah. And um, I remember what happened was LeBron pretty much just stopped playing in a way in that game. And what happened was he just let Waiters and Kyrie shoot themselves out of the game. And then there was obviously a little stretcher where LeBron was like resting, like kind of like hurt, and the team was struggling. And he came back and he was able to pull them ultimately through a very rocky playoff, uh, through several rocky playoff series, getting them to the finals there with the Kevin Love injury in the, uh, the Celtics series there. And a Kyrie, or, or Kyrie getting hurt in the first game of that finals there, his left kneecap breaking. And the, uh, the biggest thing that stood out to me about that year, again, obviously colored as a Cavs fan, was the first year where I really saw LeBron go insane with nobody but Matthew Dellavedova and Moskov, remember him? Moskov, those two, J.R. Smith, uh, Shumpert, were, were they there at that time? Smith and Shumpert, that might have been for that next year. So they really had nothing at all. And LeBron- Tristan Thompson. Oh yeah, but he averaged almost a triple-double, dragged the series 36, 36, 13 and nine. He was so good, absolutely unbelievable. He almost won that series on his own, which was the most amazing thing to me. That was the biggest thing that stood out from that year. Remember team basketball, Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta Hawks? (laughs) (laughs) The Hawks won big season there. That one stood out as well. And they got swept. (laughs) Yeah. Ultimately, you know, being that great 60-win team with four all-stars on it. Team basketball, team yeah. basketball. Remember that team basketball? Oh, God. <laughs> We're going to meet the Cavs. Didn't they get a Eastern Conference Player of the Week, like the whole starting lineup? Yeah. Got it for one week. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. And then there was a Chicago, too. The reemergence of Derrick Rose later yeah. that year. You know, he played decently well. I remember playing really well in the playoffs. He won one of those games against the Cavs with a bank shot three. Oh, six games. It was a yeah. the, it was actually their closest series. Dangerous series, yeah. Blatt almost blew that. Yeah. I remember that. And Ty like, Lue had to stop him from calling a timeout that they didn't have. Yeah. Which would have ruined that. Yeah, and then LeBron, I remember LeBron was like, just give me the ball, give me the damn ball. And LeBron was just like, okay. He hit that beautiful shot falling out of bounds, which a shot I did not miss. I was watching that one. I was watching that one. But it's interesting to think where we would have been if the officials saw Black call the timeout that he didn't have. Obviously, the Cavs get penalized for that. Maybe the Bulls win that series ultimately somehow. Where are we at? Team basketball in the NBA Finals, or the Bulls? I think the Bulls probably do. The Bulls. I think the Bulls do still win against Atlanta, and we see the Bulls versus the Warriors, which would have been really interesting. Now, and it also to me that that Cavs series kind of was like, 
And also, there was a couple of things. First of all, it was kind of like Steph Curry, MVP. I was like, but in the Warriors, like the success. I remember middle of the year, I'm like, are the Warriors the best team in the NBA? Like, I, I just remember, and I, and I just could not come to terms with that. I was like, because I told you the year prior, they lost the Clippers. How, like, how was Steve Kerr, like, first year coach, like, is this the best team in the NBA? And I was like, I don't believe it. Like, I was literally like, I don't believe it. In that series, I remember, they almost lost to Memphis in the second round with Mike oh, Conley yeah. and, and Marcus Gasol and Tony Allen in them. And I'm just like, are the Warriors this good? Like, am I missing something? And then you see them them versus the Cavs and just that game one. That game one went into overtime. And, and Kyrie ended up hurting, uh, breaking his kneecap. And then LeBron decides just to be like, okay, I guess I'm just about to remind all you guys <laughs> like what I'm about. I am the best in the world. And then you see Dallanovich shutting down Steph Curry in the finals, and you're like, what is going on here? And you're like, what is going on here? I remember being like, I'm losing my mind. Like, what is going on here? I was like, are the Warriors really about to lose? And the Warriors end up getting it together. Mm. Else that would have been really a really bad look for the Warriors if they lost to LeBron single-handedly. But then that sets up the stage for 2016. Obviously the big championship year, which we've already yeah, discussed. Yeah, we already discussed about that. Detail there, huge for me. But uh, I think the other big thing we got to talk about that year was the emergence of Westbrook. Was that the triple-double? That was the triple-double year where he averaged triple-double for the year beat the Big O's record, finally became the first player to do it for a full season. And it's not his own. It's 30, sad. Like 30, because, 10, and 10. Yeah, it's been colored by his stat chasing, so we kind of look at it as, you know, it's like the triple-double for the full season with an asterisk on it. But I remember that season, everyone was shocked. I was in shock. I could not believe that he was night in and night out averaging a huge triple-double. This wasn't like some rinky-dink 10-10-10 which is tough enough to do, a 30-10-10 average triple-double over an 82-game season. And he got us into the playoffs. Absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. I couldn't believe it. He got us into the playoffs. Yeah. And then this also sets up, too, that 2017 year, right? Because uh, this is 2017 <laughs> now. Uh, and I just remember that, that, whole, that, that whole year, I want to come to that whole year, I thought the Warriors – I thought the Cavs would beat the Warriors, actually, even though they had Durant. Mm. And I ended up being made like a fool yeah. when I saw the finals. But my, my, you see, my always my theory was, I, I just had, I, thought, I still thought LeBron was the best. I thought LeBron was like light years ahead of Durant. I didn't think Durant would make that much of a difference. I thought Kyrie Irving at that point. I was like, who's better, Kyrie or Steph? I was like, ah. I was like, because you're going you're like, okay, LeBron or KD? You're going LeBron, Steph or Kyrie? Well, I just saw Kyrie torch Steph on both sides of the court in the finals. Mm. Kevin Love or Draymond Green? I mean, Draymond's like eight and eight, and Kevin Love's 20 and 10. I was like, okay. I mean, Clay Thompson can get hot, but J.R. Smith can have a game where he has 40 randomly. Like, I was just like, okay, like, the Cavs can do this. And the Cavs, if you remember, the Cavs swept everybody. Like, the Warriors swept everybody in the Cavs. They had one game where they were 3-0 against the Celtics, and they just didn't care, and they lost. Besides that, the Cavs only lost one game. So it's kind of going the series, like, what's going to happen? And then you saw them get destroyed, and then Kevin Durant hit a three-point shot right in LeBron James' face. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Is this what the Warriors are going to be like now? Is this what the NBA has to look forward to now? I'm not really a fan of this. So let's talk about that, Jason. That, I mean, I knew right off the bat. I mean, it, it just, just the feeling, and you know, watching the Warriors, as good as the Cavs were, 
blitzing through the playoffs with that team that was the best of that four-year run. That 2017 team was the best of any of the teams in that run, even better than the championship team, in all honesty. But watching the Warriors that year, everything they did, Durant playing as well as he did, everyone else seamlessly fitting around him, you almost had a fatalistic sense that this was over before it even really began. And ultimately, that's what happened. The gentlemen sweep four to one in that final series there. And I really didn't like that. And at the time, I thought, oh my God, this is going to keep going for the next like two, three, four years. And it like, did. We're not going to see the end of this for a while. And you're it right. did. It did. And, and also, too, it was also interesting. Also, what I thought was really interesting, it was really the end of Kawhi in San Antonio was. Mm. Uh, they're up 24 against the Warriors. I remember that. They were up 24, and everybody's like, are the Spurs going to be like? And we'll never know what would happen. Then Zaza Pachulia came in and was like, hit check. God. But it's interesting because he ultimately set up the Raptors getting Kawhi and being able to win. And that was also, and then prior, that was also the year James Harden flamed out when Kawhi didn't play in a game. Kawhi didn't play in the closeout game, and the Spurs still beat him. And I was like, What? And that was like when everybody started being like, James Harden's just a choker. <laughs> like, instead of so much stuff. And I remember too, and I'll, put, I'll say this about that year, that was really the first time I was like, is Kawhi as good as LeBron or Kevin Durant? Because Kawhi had a really good year. Kawhi had a really good year to me. I mean, Kawhi was defensive player of the year. I mean, I, I remember I saw him, I think it was the year that the Cavs beat the Spurs in the regular season, and Kyrie hit this crazy oh, yeah, shot. But I remember I saw in that game, Kawhi, took the ball from LeBron like he was like a child and just stole it and then just had a breakaway duck. And I was like, okay, is this what Kawhi's about right now? Is this what Kawhi's about? Because I was like, okay. Uh, so I remember that was the first time I was like, is Kawhi like a top three player in the NBA? Like, is he in that like Durant, like LeBron tier? Like not as good as them, I didn't think. But is he like in that tier? Like I was like, I think Kawhi's better than Steph Curry. I was like, I think Kawhi's better than James Harden. I was like, I'll take Kawhi over anybody not named Kevin Durant. That was really the first time for me. I was like, that I, far back. Yeah, that was when I was first. That, that was when I got into Kawhi. That was when I was huh. like, is Kawhi that good? And then I saw him up 24 points against the Warriors. And I was like, okay, I guess Kawhi is that good. Mm. So that was the first time for me. Yeah, it is really unfortunate. Now that you mention it, he really was that good. I remember that Cavs game. How he had played there, incredible finish to that. Kyrie was just ridiculous, 50-plus points. Holy Lord. But, yeah, I mean, when you mention it, going back, that was that first year where he really started to push the bounds and show himself to be one of the, the elite-level superstars in the NBA. Um, and it's just it's sad when you look at it that he got hurt against the Warriors because I really wonder what would have happened in that series there had he stayed healthy. And ultimately what would have happened with his time with the Spurs, because if he stays healthy, none of this injury concern stuff ever becomes a thing. Maybe he's still in San Antonio today. Maybe Toronto never wins that championship. And then we go to the next year. Jason Spears continue. The Warriors still keep doing what they're doing. LeBron, Draymond Green still is hot dogging, right? Talking his mutt and Draymond Green is still being an expert is running his mouth. Uh, Kyrie leaves. Kyrie gets traded to the Celtics. Uh, really interesting year. Uh, just talk about your thoughts, your, your thoughts on that year. I have several thoughts on that year. Um, obviously with the Cavs, it was, the, the full year was very depressing. I, I think from the beginning I had this feeling that LeBron was going to leave that year, and it only grew stronger as the year went on. With the little cryptic clues he dropped, 
you know, that he's just focused on this year. We'll see what's going to happen after. I, I had a bad feeling. And the whole feeling around that team was just kind of off. Incredible year and then crumble in the playoffs. Um, and then looking through that year at the Thunder, that was just uh, Westbrook again. I think he averaged another triple-double that year. Was that Paul George and Mello too? That was Paul George and Mello. Oh, yeah. Was that here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The interesting uh, the super, big, team the, 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 super team that wasn't the super team. Big 2.5. <laughs> big 2.3. <laughs> big 2.1. 2. 1, 1, 1. <laughs> uh, the big three. That was never wow. really a big three. Man. And then didn't they get a. Was that the year that they got destroyed? Not destroyed, but that first round series against Portland when Damian Lillard hit the shot from the parking lot. No, that was last year. That was last year. That was when they lost to Utah. Oh, they yeah. lost to Don Don. There's a rookie, the rookie Donovan Mitchell. Oh my God, that was a heated series. Yes, they were starting to fight at the end. Did that go to seven games. Six. Six games there. That was wow, man. I remember watching the end of that series. That was insane. And that was uh, Donnie Mitchell's emergence too. Was that year? As one of the, the then it was like then it was like who's rookie of the year Ben Simmons or Donovan Mitchell? I wish it had been Mitchell. I really wish it had been Mitchell. I thought it should have. Well, see, I, I don't know. There was a lot of debate. Where there was like Simmons at that time. I think you could say Simmons was a better player, mm. maybe probably a better all around player, and had better stats. But it was kind of like who's having more team success? Like Donovan Mitchell's doing it as the leading scorer as a true rookie for a team in the West, while. Ben Simmons has Joel Embiid with him, has a really talented group around him, right? And he's in the East. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know what I mean? It was kind of like kind of picking like, who's doing more with less? It's kind of like in the MVP conversation. But the Rookie of the Year kind of has different qualifications. But I well, do that was it. my point there. You know, that, that was the best Rookie of the Year. Like, he's like almost your team MVP as a rookie. And Ben Simmons, yeah, he played really, really well. Obviously, you know, to be in the conversation, you have to be pretty good to be competing with Donnie Mitchell there. But still, who did more for their team? You, know, you have Simmons with Embiid, with a great team. The team was relatively stacked. And I believe that was the year. Markel Fultz was drafted number one overall. Lonzo Ball, number two. And Donovan oh, Mitchell man. goes number 11 to Utah. Yeah. That low, and he ended up being the leader of a team. We look at Alonzo Ball, still can't buy a shot. He actually got benched in favor of Redick with the Pelicans here. And Fultz is kind of in purgatory as far as figuring it out with the Magic. He looks decent. You could, I mean, they're starting him there. He's playing well, but not what people expected when he went number one. That was another thing that colored that year. All of the struggles and the questions around Markel Fultz. I remember talking to you quite a bit about this. We, we couldn't figure out what happened. And I still don't have a, a solid grasp of what exactly happened with the injury, with the yips, with whatever it was that threw him off so Scotty, bad. who you know, Scotty, yeah. uh, he tells me that they messed up his surgery. They effed up his surgery. That's what he really? says. He contends that. He says whoever did his surgery messed it up. Hmm. Maybe that is, I mean, that's an interesting theory. I mean, something's obviously wrong because uh, he was pump faking on his free throws. <laughs> when you have somebody that pump fake, that is never good. Jason knows somebody that plays basketball. Pump faking on your free throws is not good. Especially for someone who's known for having a very clean, pure stroke. To suddenly lose it, that was the scary thing to me. 
like, yeah, you had the surgery, but muscle memory all through your arm and He body. said maybe they did something to his nerves or something. Like, he says they, somebody messed up his surgery. I wonder. But then you'd think we'd hear about some malpractice suit or something. I would wonder, unless he signed waivers yeah. of some sort that, you know, would, uh, would release the doctor with, uh, from liability. Not every doctor's a good, good doctor. This is true. Not, I every, not every doctor's a good doctor. Because he, he came back and he could not shoot. Oh, yeah. I remember that was a big topic. But for me, it was... To me, also, there's a couple of things. I remember, to me, this was kind of like... I, I remember the beginning of the year, I was like, why did the Cavs trade Kyrie Irving? Because to me, I was always like... To me, I, I was never that big of an Isaiah guy. I know Isaiah averaged 28 points per game. He had that one 50-point playoff game after his sister died. Everybody was yeah. like all about Isaiah, Isaiah. I was like, listen, I'm taller than Isaiah Thomas. I've seen... I, 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 listen... I've seen Kyrie Irving torch Steph Curry in the NBA Finals. I don't give a damn what anybody says. Isaiah Thomas never was, never will, or never can be better than Kyrie Irving. You do not trade Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving in a pick. And some player from Europe, who I don't even remember his name. That I think it might have been Seti. Was it Seti? No, he, that wasn't. It was right? I was like, none of them are better than Kyrie. So I don't understand what anybody's doing. Kobe Altman, you're getting fleeced by Danny Ainge. If I was Kyrie, Kyrie had two more years on his contract. If I was Kobe Altman, I would have said, go home, play with LeBron, and figure it out. But that's honestly what I would have done. And then once LeBron looked the next year, then trade Kyrie. But we're, we're going back. like Because I still wonder, what would have happened in that finals if they had Kyrie? If they could have came back with Kyrie, what would have happened? It's tough. It really is tough. Obviously, as a Cavs fan, I've thought about all this. And the other thing that uh, that stands out to me was the whole situation with Griffin. See, the trade he had on the table, he didn't want to do that Celtics trade. He didn't want well. I mean, he wasn't there for that. But he was considering the trade a little bit earlier around the draft. So what was going to go down with that trade, if I'm remembering correctly, was that Kyrie would be gone, but we would bring in Bledsoe and Paul George with Kevin Love, LeBron, the rest of the team. Imagine what that team does. That's the thing that bothers me. We could have been in a completely different situation. Just a combination of that. 2018 LeBron and Paul George, oh my God. With Bledsoe still in his prime and Kevin Love, we might be talking about a completely different outcome in the playoffs there with that team. And then you look at it too, I remember that, when they ended up. And I remember, I was always, and I always said this, and I was right about this. I was like, this is going to be the last year the Warriors and the Cavs played. And obviously the Warriors went again, but I was kind of like, it's like when you have a movie, right? Mm. You know, when I want to get to the fourth movie, you, you know, it's not sad. Like, it's like, Three, like it was like the first movie, you know, was kind of like LeBron comes back, this competitive, like great. The second one, the miraculous comeback was a blockbuster. The third one, uh, Kevin Durant comes, there's all this anticipation, but it was like, yeah. The fourth one, I'm really not too interested in seeing it. I'll watch it. I do not want to see a fifth one. I'm done. I was done with the Warriors and the Cavs. I was like, go away, go away, go away. And after game one, I was like, go away. I was like, go away. <laughs> And Jason, as a Cavs fan, you could probably elaborate on game one of the NBA Finals that year more than I can. So just tell me, because we all know what happens. We all know the, the characters involved. J.R. Smith, Draymond still screaming at the end of the game when I don't understand why LeBron James having a Finlayman, like, uh, the, the perfect game. Just talk about it, Jason. Very sharp memory in my mind. I remember watching that game. 
And the, the first thought I had with that game was that this is actually close. LeBron, Kevin Love, J.R. Smith, and a bag of chips are playing the Warriors kind of close. This is a close game. This is going to overtime. How is this happening? Like, like what is going on that this ragtag Cavs team led by LeBron is playing these crazy death-destruction Warriors this close? And the end of that game is still painful. They should have never gone to overtime. Oh, yeah. To be that close. And to have Hill miss the free throw. And then the end of that game, they're got to really have J.R. Smith try to run out the clock is the most asinine moment in basketball that I have ever seen. I couldn't believe it. I didn't know what was going on at first. I was like, what is he doing? I watched LeBron freak out after putting on an incredible performance. 51, 9, and 9. Oh, yeah. On and Kevin Durant's head. On Kevin Durant's head. J.R. Smith just peed all over that. Ruined it all. Overtime, still made it, but it was pretty clear at that point the soul had been sucked out of that team. The fight had been sucked out. It's like when you cook up a really nice meal and then your friend just pisses on it and says that feels Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's what J.R. Smith did. He ruined a fine LeBron moment and a great performance from that team. A team who performed way above what anybody expected. I don't think that would have changed the result of the series had they played the rest of the game well and J.R. Smith not made that boneheaded mistake. But I think the series would have been a good bit closer. It wouldn't have been a complete whitewashing of the Cavs. I think LeBron quit at it. I think LeBron was done. I think LeBron was like, they're, they're bums. He's like, they're bums. And I think he wanted to leave. And I didn't blame him after that. I was like, leave, LeBron. Freaking leave. I was like, they put you through that? I was like, because really that whole playoff run, he 34-9-9 on 50% shooting. Oh, yeah. He, dr- he drugged that team. Drove them all the way to the finals. Through all of it. I remember they were playing the Celtics. And J.R. Smith had games where he'd average five points. And they all played well. And you could always count on LeBron to give you 34-9-9 on 50% shooting and drag that awful team to the playoffs. You could always count on that. And I remember there were so many things. I was like, Tristan Thompson. You're averaging five points and five rebounds, and you're getting paid like $90 million a year. What is going on? I was, like, I was like, J.R. Smith, you're a shooting guard. Your job is to shoot. You shoot 30% from the field. What is going on? And Kevin Love, Kevin Love wasn't playing all that well either. I was like, they're all bums. I, and I was like, I don't blame LeBron. I don't blame LeBron. I was like, Kyle Corver can't stay in front of you or me. Like, like what is he supposed to do? And then he loses his mind after the game. And I was into LeBron and Cleveland. It's unfortunate. It really is because that, again, it's another thing. It's one of those what-if moments. This could have ended completely differently if not for a boneheaded mistake that goes down in history and unfortunately defines J.R. Smith's career. Recency bias. We always remember the most recent thing. And I think for the rest of uh, time when we bring up J.R. Smith, that's what's going to come up. That moment there in the finals. 
which really sucks for him because he had a, a pretty good career. But Now, my dad always says it. He blames Ty Lue because he said, Ty Lue should have been in jail since you're telling him scoring time. And my arm was like, he's a professional basketball player. He gets paid to know what's going on. And my yeah. dad was like, well, J.R. Smith's the type of guy that can only play from the neck down, not the neck <laughs> up. So as the, as the coach, you need to realize that, and you need to be in a dude like that's ear. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, that fair point, Dad. He's like, J.R. Smith's the type of dude, as a coach, you need to be telling him. <laughs> Literally everything, right? You need to be telling him. He's like, you yeah. think Brett Popovich would let a dude like that up on the court and not tell him what's going on? He's like, there's some people that you know need a little bit of extra help. And he's like, and he kind of blamed LeBron. He was like, LeBron should have been telling them too. Because he's like, don't get mad at the fool for doing a, fool, for doing a foolish thing. <laughs> which is true. Which is true. I was like, because if anybody would really do that on the team, it's like, the fact that it was Jr. didn't really surprise that he no. lost. I mean, thinking about it, looking at that team, like, go figure. I, I mean, you know, okay, was it going to be Jr. that did something like that or Kyle Corbett? Like, obviously, Jr. Like, like, you know, George Hill or Jr. Like, you know, which Hill, I'm still kind of mad. He missed the free missing throw. The free throw, like, but you know that happens. I'll LeBron James, perfect that. open hill on a cut. Missed the shot. Just. It, even the Celtics doing what they did without Kyrie. But now this gets into next year, right? Last year. Celtics, they have Kyrie back. They just went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Game 7 from going against LeBron. LeBron now in Los Angeles. What can LeBron do? The Warriors, can they win their four straight NBA Finals? Kawhi's in Toronto. And this was just last year. Just talk about your memories of last year. My memories of last year, there was a bit of a focus on the Celtics uh, for a couple reasons. I was just curious what was going to happen because this was the continuation of everything that happened with Kyrie, that feeling I was getting about him as a leader, because I was very curious at that time. That was before we had figured out that Kyrie wasn't able to lead a team, that he didn't have that it factor that we've talked about. So I had my eye on that whole year because of that, and number two, because of Gordon Hayward. Coming back after that injury, I was curious how he'd play. And watching through the year, it was interesting as it became more and more obvious with each thing that would happen, you know, with Kyrie's promise to come back at first and everything being nice, but then as the season went on, more and more reports coming out about him being a malcontent, him ruining the team chemistry. That year, what defined that year really was finding out that Kyrie wasn't everything I thought he was. There was that. Uh, there was Toronto. The interesting thing there was Kawhi's load management and everything they did to bend over backwards to make sure this man was happy. I thought they were doing a little much. I thought it was ridiculous that he was resting back-to-backs. Prove me wrong when the playoffs came. He was fresh and ready. He ripped everyone up in those playoffs. Another incredible performance from James Harden during the regular season, spoiled by a playoff collapse. Giannis, absolutely wild that year. And props to him coming from being the gangly kid who could play defense but not really do much else, being drafted low in 2013, to being an MVP caliber player. He... Being one of the most physically dominant players. I mean, oh, physical yeah. dominance. He's up there with Shaquille O'Neal and uh, LeBron James. And like, the difference there is he's got the... Not the difference from them, but the difference between Giannis and most stars is he's got the mindset. I love his mindset. Oh, man. yeah. The man's a dog. The man's a dog. He is going to be 
the best player. Like, why would I play with LeBron? I want to beat LeBron. Why would I play with Kevin Durant? I want to beat Kevin Durant. Like, like he's almost like he's like confused at that. Like, he's like, why would you ask me that? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) And I love it. I love it. That's a competitive spirit that more players need. I love that about Giannis. That is the nature of competition. Fiery, burning competition and an incredible player right there. And this year also, my favorite player got drafted. Luka Doncic. Was absolutely oh. incredible in his first Luka year with Dallas. Oh yeah. yeah. At 18 years old, was absolutely spectacular. Putting up numbers that we hadn't seen out of a rookie since LeBron James. Which obviously has gone to an even further extent this year, but that was incredible that year. And I remember, the one thing about him, too, there was a rumor. Again, this is a rumor. I don't know if it was true or what. But there apparently was a trade on the table for the Cavaliers to be able to move up to draft Luka Doncic. And they didn't. And if this rumor is true, this will crush me. This is, I, I don't like Dallas as a team necessarily. Love Luka Doncic. Love the way he played. I knew from his time in Europe that he was something special. And when that rumor came out, I was so excited. But obviously it didn't happen. We got Saxton. <laughs> yeah, definitely not Luca. Definitely a step below. Uh, look, yeah, just, just a little bit below. Definitely yeah. a step below what he's about. But uh, really, yeah, that year, Kyrie Irving, not the player I thought he was. Not the player we all thought he was. Being a guy, and it's funny, my opinion of Kyrie went way lower this decade. My highest peak of Kyrie, 2016, they beat the Warriors. I'm thinking, is Kyrie better than Steph Curry? Then it goes to, oh, he's not top five. Maybe he's top ten. But then it goes to Kyrie's, like, top 15, top 20. Like, and Kyrie's an awful leader. Nobody likes him. He has an attitude with, like, Kobe, and people don't like Kobe, but everybody kind of dealt with it because Kobe was, like, a top ten player of all time and the best player in the NBA and really freaking good. So Kobe could act like a jerk. Mm. Kyrie's just a jerk and not really all that great. And he's still great, but not the level you would expect, right? Kobe was a leader, though. Yes, I think that's the thing we have to establish. You can be a jerk and a leader. Yes. Michael Jordan was a jerk. Yeah, punch Steve Kerr in the face. Yeah. See, no, you know Kyrie is Kyrie. No, Kyrie's an ass. Let's just figure it correctly. He's an ass. He's the type of guy, you know, they'll come and be like, hey, I'm Duke educated. The earth is flat. <laughs> People are like, okay. He's like, hey, I'm smarter than you. I went to Duke. Did you go to Duke? Did you go to Duke? Hey, man, the earth's flat. And you're like, what the? Who is this guy? Like, he's that type of guy that you're just like, He's just a jerk. And everybody, really we've all worked with people like that. You're just like, okay. He says something every 10 minutes that just rubs me the wrong way, and nobody really likes him. Mm. Well, he's interesting. Like, looking at the reports, he's more like James Harden. Like, not that aggressive. He's, like, really passive aggressive. Yeah. Like, he'll make snide comments. He'll be like, you don't understand my philosophy. I'm like, okay, what are you talking about? Act like he's better than everyone else. But It's like, bro, you only went to Duke one year. <laughs> You're not that Major in basket weaving like, yeah. yeah, we all know what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> You're you're not the great philosopher of our generation, guy, right? Oh, yeah, that's another thing too. Like his recent Instagram post, not to go into next year at a time, but come on. Yeah. Like way to look through a dictionary, pick out big words and try to sound smart. Like just just stop. Man. And, stop. And I think too with this year really we saw Warriors their team basketball, you might, whether you love, hate the Warriors, however you feel about them, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Toplin have a chemistry that I will dare anybody to tell me they can find a threesome that's ever had that type of chemistry. Kevin Durant goes away and just like, okay, we're going to get that much better. We're going to beat the Rockets. 
You didn't think they would beat the Rockets. I remember talking to you. I don't think you, you didn't think they'd beat the Rockets. They beat them. Mm. Well, that was. I thought that would be the, uh, the Rockets' year there. I really did. Turned out not to be. Obviously. Yes. Again. Then we see Kawhi. And I think Kawhi really showed. You know, hitting that bank shot, just having games where it's just like Kawhi time. I was like, damn. And that's when I was kind of like, okay, you know, people talk about Kevin Durant, LeBron, Giannis. Right now, I'm going with Kawhi because I see Kawhi doing it on both ends of the floor. It, it doesn't look pretty. It, it doesn't look as pretty as Kevin Durant's jump shot, as great as LeBron's passing, as spectacular as Giannis's dunks. But you want to know what? It's damn good, and he's doing it. Nobody can stop it, and the Raptors are winning. Mm. And that finals, the end of the Warriors dynasty, I know Jason probably had to love it. I was so excited. Oh, I was so happy. I'm not a Raptors fan, but I'm happy for the city. I'm happy for the fans. That was a beautiful moment at the end of that game there because it was the end of the Warriors. Seeing Fred uh, Van Fleet just make threes out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I was Get like, up in Kevin Durant's face. Yeah. Mm. Kevin Durant, the Achilles game, like really like... He comes back, everybody's like, okay, is KD going to do it? KD averages 10 points, he goes like 5-5, five and five, then it's like, clack. Yeah. And then KD's gone, it's like, wow. Klay Thompson has like the ultimate badass warrior moment ever, where in game six, he gets a clothesline, tears his ACL. They say, hey, you can't come back and let's shoot the free throws. Klay runs, drains the two free throws. I'm like, is Klay coming back? That's what I was like, Klay's a G. Like you have, wild. you have oh, to love yeah. Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson's my favorite warrior by far. Like I love Clay. I love Clay. Like Clay's a G. You know, Draymond talks a lot. Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant. Steph Curry hot dogs. Clay is a G. Like I, I love me some Clay Thompson. When he literally was just like, I can't play. He runs out. He's like, okay. He drains him. I thought he was coming back in the game. I really, I thought he was coming back. And I thought if they won, he was gonna be like shoot it up, and we're playing in Game Seven. They said his dad, Michael Thompson, told him, like, you can't do that. <laughs> like, you have a contract, you're in a free agent, you can't do that. Don't be stupid now. But I was just like, what? And just like the Warriors GM crying when Kevin Durant tore his Achilles, just all of that, just encompassing all of that last year. I'm like, dang. The moment where uh, Nick Nurse is like, hey, it's tied 1-1. We're going to Golden State. Let's hope we can uh, come back 2-2 going back to Toronto. And then Kawhi's like, F that. Let's win both in Golden State. And Nick Nurse is like, okay. <laughs> like, just all of that was just, it, it was such a fun year of basketball. Such a fun end of the year, including, you know, Giannis' dominant run and Luka's emergence. Now, let's just go to the beginning of this year, right? As we end the decade. Just the beginning of this year. What are your thoughts so far? So this year so far, um, the best thing for me has been the decline of the Warriors and them being absolute garbage. Yeah, the Cavs are garbage now too, but we have a free competitive NBA, finally. We don't have to worry about Kevin Durant and the Warriors, that, that looming giant shadow over everything. It's free. Everyone can compete again the way it should be. They, they monopolized your teenage years, Jason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't mind because the Cavs were good too. Yes. But still. That being said, that's completely gone. There's parity in the NBA again. Um, obviously, the biggest storyline, I think, for me this season has been Luka Doncic playing at an otherworldly level before his ankle injury here. He should be fine. Two weeks he'll be out with this, and he'll be back, I think, back at that level, putting up numbers that, again, we haven't seen since LeBron James. He has been absolutely insane. Giannis has been great. Harden has been great. Jokic. 
has not been as good. And that's the interesting thing, too, looking at these superstars. Some of them are playing well, some of them are tailing off. Like Westbrook is another example of a superstar who's kind of tailing off. He'll have his good games, but... James Harden is... Remember, we did an NBA history segment, Jason, about James Harden. Being, where does he rank all-time shooting grounds? And we were like, he's not top five. He might be somewhere in the top five. I don't know. If he wins a rank... In the playoffs. He, he, he's averaging 40 a game! He is average, like I know he does it. Season, I man. know the way he does it. It is skeevy the way he gets free throws. But listen, man, the, the name of the game is honestly no matter how you do it, it's to put the effing ball in the basket. He does that better than like anybody ever. Like just in terms of finding a way to get the ball in the basket. I'm not saying he's the best scorer ever because I don't think he's better than Jordan. I don't think he's better than Kobe necessarily. I don't think he's the best scorer ever. I don't even think he's better than Kevin Durant. But in terms of finding a way to get that ball in the basket, which is the number one goal on offense, he does he does that better than anybody I have ever seen. He just gets like <laughs> it is insane. That's true, but like you got to look at the way he does it again. I because don't you think? This isn't that hard to do to draw that many fouls. You don't think I other feel like players, more people would do it? Yeah, but you know why they don't? There's a stigma against that. You don't want to be that guy. James Harden is that guy, and that's always going to color everything he does. That he plays that way. Well, he's putting up a forty piece lesson. Because hey, if you could do that, other guys would. Other guys would. We would see a lot of this all around the league. I don't think it's as easy. And just like. The ability to hit your free throws. He is the best high-volume free throw shooter of all time. Like, one of the best high volume Like, he goes to the line about 20 times a game, and he makes almost all of them. Like, you still have to make your free throws. Like, he j- – just the level of concentration. Like, the ability like, – like, to me, there is a skill in being able to put up, like, 30 shots a game. Like, people always talk about Kobe being a high-volume shooter. Like, last game, people were like, Kobe scored 50, but it was on 40 shots. Well, I was like, how many NBA players can get up 40 shots in an NBA game? Do you think Kyle Korver can get up 40 shots in an NBA game? No. Do you think Jarrett Smith can get up 40? Like, getting up 40 shots is very hard to do, right? You see Steph – I don't think Steph Curry's almost ever at 40. Like, getting up 40 shots is very physically – I mean, the athletes are too big, they're too strong, they're too physical. They can do ball now. There are so many things. It is not easy to get up 40 shots a game. James Harden does that nightly. Mm -hmm. It takes out a lot of energy. Not only that, he gets to the line, and he makes all his free throws. That is not an easy thing to do. To go to the line, you're all by yourself, and you have to make – and he consistently drains them. So he's perfected his little niche. Now, does it work in the playoffs? That's a whole other thing. But for the regular season, he has perfected his little niche. And I will say this. He's, I'll, I'll, I'll say it's in terms of all time. I don't know where he's going to end up being, but I think he's ahead of guys like Steve Nash. I would say so. And Steve Nash was a two-time MVP. Mm. So I, I, well, I, in, in very weak years. Though, yes, yes. There wasn't much to, to contend with him. So, so I think, and I think we have to put him ahead of Russell Westbrook all time. It, like, if he wins a ring... I think I mean I would just say James Harden is playing a level of offensive basketball that is that not many players are capable of doing, and I think that's the thing that's really surprised me about Harden. But also to mention too, Luka Doncic just being amazing, just Incredible. being amazing, doing it the right way, yeah. <laughs> averaging close yeah. to that amount, thirty, um, almost averaging a triple double through the beginning of the year. Uh, Trey Young from that same draft in that trade there between the Hawks and the Mavericks has been incredible, but with no help. John Collins has been suspended. The rest of the team is literal garbage. It's sad. He's playing at a ridiculously high level. LeBron James reminding everybody. And Davis with the Lakers. The Lakers being incredible and LeBron 
still showing us that he's, if not the best, one of the best, yeah. still. LeBron, he's a freak of nature. And, and Kawhi, when Kawhi plays, Kawhi is still very good. When mm-hmm. Kawhi, and, I, and who's your best player in the NBA right now, would you say? Right I, now, I probably would have to say Giannis. Giannis? Honestly, very close between Giannis and Doncic. Okay. Doncic is already there. Please. That's the crazy thing. I, I still wouldn't have him. I, I think I would have him on the outside of my top five, personally. Mm-hmm. Like, Doncic I, outside of your top no, five? No, because I would go, oh. I would say, I, I think there's just a clear tier. Like, I would say, like, let's say Kawhi. I think Kawhi's better than Giannis, than, than Doncic. I think LeBron's better. I think uh, Giannis is better. And then I think... I think LeBron right now is better than Doncic? Yeah. He just got outdueled. I know he did, but I... I, I think LeBron's in terms of just controlling the game. I still think he controls the game in a way that I don't think Doncic can do. I think he's better defensively. Than, I think he just and and I think Doncic's stats are and part of that's because Doncic's like he has carte blanche. Like it's his right. offense. Like LeBron's also sharing the ball with Anthony Davis. So there's a lot of other things. LeBron, you know, worries more about the postseason at this time, right? But I, I still think LeBron's better than Doncic. I, I'd still say. I would state James Harden is better. I think you could argue that. I would still give James Harden. I think we'll see in the playoffs, though. I think the I would put him in like the James Harden tier right now. I think when Which we see top, top no, tier. no 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 that's top it's very top tier. Yeah. I think where we can see where he truly ranks, we'll see that in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I'll hold off. I would put him like in the James Harden tier right now. He's doing very good in the regular season. Like James Harden, let's see what happens in the postseason, right? I think that's where I would go. We've seen Giannis carry his team to the Eastern Conference Finals. We've seen Kawhi carry his team to a championship. We've seen what LeBron can do. So I think that's right away. Right. Yeah, and I see what you mean. I just think when you think of him. But in terms of like who's playing at the highest, like, but there's always who's the best player in terms of who's playing at the highest level. Doncic is our, is, you know, at the level. He's yeah, at the level. Yeah, absolutely up there. Because you can make an argument for him being, you know, top five in the yes. NBA. There's an argument to be made, and that's what we're basing that off. But again, I got to say, you know, Giannis has just been absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Put up 48 points last night. Still lost to Dallas without Doncic. Something, something I, I think Giannis, I think Giannis will leave Milwaukee. Really? That is my, that's my, my, my theory, because this kind of reminds me of, we talk about the decade, right? LeBron and Cleveland, right? Remember 2009, 2000, and it goes back, and it's kind of similar. Both of them had teams, like, only really, the only really the star, right? LeBron had Mo Williams, Antoine Jameson, Giannis has uh, Chris Middleton, uh, Eric Bledsoe, you know, you know, guys that are good, but they're not super, super elite. Yeah. Both teams, they're going to be number one seeds, MVPs, arguably the best regular season players in the NBA, physically dominating, and they, and both of them that year, and so similar. The Cavs lost to the Magic in six games. The Bucks lost to the Raptors in six games. The following year, the Cavs lose to the Celtics in six games of the semis. I think. Back to the Bucks are going to lose the Celtics in the semis because I ended up think I end up thinking they're going to be on the opposite side. Mm. They play Milwaukee, but I think if that happens, and I think the same thing that LeBron thought about, do I need superstars with me? Because Giannis seems like the type of dude like yeah, well Giannis is kind of like his guy like I'll go. I, Giannis is not seem like the type of dude that's sticking around for losing. Like like Giannis seems like he's going to be like what 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 is going on? Yeah. Like, he's like, Eric Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe, don't be averaging no five points a game, bro. <laughs> like, Giannis seems like he can be a little scarier like that. Like, he's like, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's what I would say. 
I see what you mean. Yeah, I just wonder where. I think it's going to depend on. I, I heard a report about go. the Warriors, but I would be, that would oh, be crazy. Dude, not again, that please. Would be, that, that would be crazy. They were talking about how they could have the cap. They were talking about a way where they could finagle the cap space. To get Giannis? Yes. With Clay back, Steph back, D'Angelo. Oh, my God. No, and it would basically it would be a sign-and-trade. Like, they'd be able to pit Russell, Willie Colley, Stein, some picks, and it'd be some sign-and-trade where they could get Giannis. And I was like... I didn't need to hear that, Daryl. The Warriors did it again. <laughs> the no. Warriors did it again. Hey, remember that report talking about the deck? Remember that report where it was like LeBron of the Warriors? Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully this is like that. Yeah. You know, I'm... <laughs> So the last thing what I'm gonna do, best player of the decade. Best player of the decade, LeBron James. LeBron James, not oh, even yeah. close. Not even second close. best player of the decade. Second best player of the decade. Interesting. Huh. Either I Kate. Think we would we would have to say either Kate or Kawhi. Probably. Well, what about what is Steph ranking here? Which is just. Huh. I think maybe borderline top five. Okay. At the edge of the top. Okay. Five there, I think. Yeah, yeah, second and third, probably KD, Kawhi. You could go either way with that. Um, you have to consider Davis in there as well, I'd say, in the top ten. But top five, I wonder who else we would put up there as a top five who's been so consistently Russell Westbrook, great. Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. Would we put him top five? Yeah. No, I mean top ten. Top, top ten. ten. Sure. Okay. Top ten for sure. Uh, Harden I can would see be, that. Harden is a guy that would be in the top ten. This is probably Kyrie. Kyrie, yeah. I don't think so. With with the end of the decade, no. With these last few years, he's kind of yeah. In the middle out. of the decade was really when he had that stretch. Yeah, yeah. we're talking the whole thing yeah, whole decade. Yeah. So, uh, I'm trying to think who else has been so consistently great through the decade that we could put them up there. Damian Lillard. Yeah, Damian Lillard, another, another guy. Now. Funnest moment of the decade. Don't mention the cash because that's that's too easy oh, for you, Jason. Man. Don't mention that. Oh, oh, oh. The most fun moment of the decade. Interesting one. We mentioned Damian Lillard. That uh, that Thunder Portland. Oh, series. bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye. Yeah. Oh, that series was absolutely insane. Classic series. Classic games. And an ending that's going to be on NBA highlight reels for the rest of our lives. Oh, NBA Hardwood, Yeah. <sighs> I can't wait to see those games in 20, 30 some years. Cannot wait. Jason, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, my man. And this is it for the 115th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. I hope you guys appreciate it and enjoyed some NBA history with me and my man, Jason Gavari. Like I said, we will be back Friday. NFL playoffs. College football final, right? Going to be so much to talk about. Uh, so much sports. So much content. Appreciate you guys for listening. Let's bring in the new year of Barbershop Sports Talk with a bang. And thank you for tuning in to this episode, the 115th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.